When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, this is cool. Live, right? Yeah, let's do it live. Are we doing live or are we recording for... This is, well, it's live for the people that are here. Correct. And uh, in post, uh, for posterity for people who can't. Yes. All right, for my posterior. Right. Nice. Yes. So we'll, we'll just, <laughs> just, want to just kick it off? Well, let's, let's wait for the... Well, he said five, so... The doors are so much They, they closed the doors. Guys, I appreciate you. It's been, it's been <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm a busy man. Here, I'm out. Oh, yeah. This is fantastic, man. Buddy Jason Bakken. This, this guy. other guy. <laughs> this guy. Yeah, mate. Who are you? Uh, well, well, are you Cobras or are you Fire? Uh, I'm neither. I'm neither. <laughs> but uh, welcome to Cobras and Fire. We are here today with Ron Keel. I am one of your hosts, LC. Hey. That, and. Five minutes. What? I wasn't recording, but if you want to You're listening to the Cobras and Fire podcast. Live from Nashville, Tennessee at Rockin' Pod 2021, the special guest, the metal cowboy, Ron Keel. Well, I've been wondering if you're doing Cobras and Fire, I'm your host, LC, and I'm joined, as always, with the travel-weary Baco. How are you, sir? Let me tell you, Luce, I just flew into town, and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> nice. Oh, man, I am well. Yeah, we're a good week away from landing from Rockin' Pod, but um, I- I'm doing good. Uh, did, was uh, everything good when you got home? Uh, you got home early, if I understand right, and I uh, got to see the kids and, and, and tuck them in and... Uh, eh. Not that early. Not that early. But but earlier. But uh, yeah, yeah. My 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 travel was basically for the most part uneventful. I think the horseshoe has flipped a little bit. Uh, um, You're carrying it now, Um, and uh, because I I had Mm -hmm. very much uh, LC esque uh, travel experience, uh, especially going home. But yeah, yes. uh, just a quick recap on that. So flying in, as you know, I, my plane got delayed, but it was only about an hour. I was still at the the hotel by I think about right around three o'clock. It's so not a big deal there. Uh, no major delays coming in. It was still kind of inconvenient, but it, I just went to the bar and had a beer. Um, but leaving though, we were already going to be at the airport a few hours early. But then almost immediately, I, within about I don't know twenty minutes of saying our goodbyes, I get a text from uh, uh, Sun Country saying that my flight was delayed about an hour. Ooh, so, should, I, should I jump in about about what happened uh, prior to that though too for us? What's that? Trying to be together, everything was against us, man. Finally at, at the airport, <laughs> even trying to have a meal together. Yeah, part of my my experience here just reminded me of of, of that. So I suppose okay, yeah, let's let's touch on that a little bit right now. Like I said, we were at the airport a few hours early, so we were gonna have a meal, just kind of like a late lunch, early dinner kind of thing, just you know because we had some time before our flights, but. We were at very different gates on different end of the airport, so our only option was like this coffee shop with really shitty food and shitty coffee, and so we 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 shared a bottle of water. <laughs> well, we didn't share. We each, I think yeah, we we, we I got yeah. a bottle of water. I can't remember what you got. What'd you get? A a, a diet coke. 
Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, something like that. Pretty much like it was. It was a place. It was just a horrible place. But we we're at two different security places, so we couldn't even share a meal together. Is the point? Yeah, terrible. Um, so anyway, uh, but before I even get to my gate, I got that message that Sun Country had delayed my flight about an hour. So I'm already in for it a little longer, and I'm like. Well, you know, I, I'm still a little hungry, so I'm looking to get something to eat. And I've never spent a lot of time in an airport. I've been fortunate not to have a lot of delays in, in any of my travels. I've heard over the years, uh, as a matter of fact, the first sign I see when I get into Minneapolis is a big banner that says, four years in a row, best airport in America. And I guess I just took it for granted. There are a ton of meal options, places to eat, to sit down, to go into, sure. all sorts of choices. There was basically... a two bodegas that sold like uh, chicken wraps and one place that had like seating and of course that's just mobbed and so but at the same time i'm like well i got nothing better to do but so i stood in line waited about 45 minutes was able to pony up to the bar and uh, i had the worst burger i've ever paid 20 dollars for in my life um uh and again uh part of the deal was that like you know I, qu- I wasn't in no shape to even like have a beer or you know kill the time at a bar. You know what I mean? I just I just wanted to go home. I was tired. I was hungover, and this was just of course the worst timing as far as all that goes. But so poor Baco. While I'm at at the at the I can't remember what the restaurant was even called, but I'm having my twenty dollar dry burger with with potato chips, not fries. Um, I get another message saying that the flight was delayed another forty five minutes, and by the time I finish my meal, pay for it, and get to the gate. It had been delayed a third time, about another Good 50 Lord. minutes. So the the long end of it is that I was supposed to land about 10.05. I got in, I think, I don't know, just before midnight was my actual arrival time in, in Minneapolis-St. Paul. So remember when I landed, though, uh, when I got to the airport, I texted you. You were probably in the air when I sent the initial text. But from my front door to my gate going to Nashville, uh, 47 total minutes. That includes security and everything, right? Right, right. Pretty fucking smooth. That I mean, I, I parked at a shuttle, took a shuttle to the airport, went through security, and I still forty-seven total minutes. I didn't get home for an hour and a half, and that was my, I get to the and the and my gate was real close, so I, I got to the, the the shuttle area pretty quick. Didn't have to go through security. I waited forty-five minutes for my fucking shuttle to. A, I probably could have walked to the fucking parking ramp from where I was at if there was a way to do it. It's all freeways there, so there's not. Yep. Just one thing after another. So, yeah, I didn't stroll into my actual own house till sometime after 1 o'clock. And, uh, uh, and then, of course, I just get mobbed by the cats. They're like, where the hell have you been? <laughs> uh, what, a, what a welcome return. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so, it's, uh, it's a beautiful image, all your, all your cats jumping on you. <laughs> and it's weird is that like I'm also like really fucking tired but still kind of wound up. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, I, yeah. I just can't. So, I've, yeah, I've fired up the TV and, I don't know, had a bowl of cereal and then finally crawled into bed and... Of course, I had to get up in five hours to take my wife to work, but at least I had the day off, um, and that was a day of rest for the most part. Uh, but even then, I could still feel like, you know, I really, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's because of, you, you know, I've changed my 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 drinking habits for the most part. But I think I relived some glory years on those two days because <laughs> because I don't really typically get that hung over, you know what I mean? But I was still f- feeling that Tuesday morning going into work and I was wow. just like, uh, man, uh, I <laughs> you know, it, anytime I end the night with some hard liquor, you it, know, it, it's always the the case, you know what I mean? So uh, but yeah, thanks yeah. to the Ages and Rock guys for the uh, the the D- Dixie cup shot of uh, whiskey. So <laughs> <laughs> here's a very nice whiskey in a Dixie cup. Enjoy. So anyway, Luce, I think either uh, you've passed your travel uh, luck on to me, or we can just say it. Sometimes it just happens to to all of us. So I'm actually uh, I I just embrace the idea that you were able to catch an earlier flight and pretty much have your travel in and out pretty smooth. You you deserve it. Well, thank you. Yes, I, 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 I enjoy listening to your pain. I had no issue showing up. I was able to get an earlier flight out. Um, I, I did experience the fact that there is no place to eat now because the places are shuttered and there's no staff. I had my meal was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich out of mm. a bodega as well. Yeah. <laughs> there was anything, or waiting 45 minutes for, 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 uh, for a place like that. Well, I didn't see whatever. any places that weren't open. There was just no. Th- I even went to like you know. There's there's two gates on each end of the airport. I went to the other gate. and I'm like, why not? What the fuck else am I gonna do? Let me go see what they have to eat down here. Same deal. One restaurant, one one bodega. So, 
Yeah, it's funny. That's the first time I've actually paid for a peanut butter challenge in my life. Like a fucking child yeah. that would get everything like that. I'm like that or the scary meat that's been sitting here. I'm just not sure about that. It was like that. It was like this. Is, this will get me through. Yeah. But uh, yeah, very smooth. No problem on my end. Um, I love the. I love hearing the pain. Yeah. The and the, no, those minutes they just tick by so slow. Oh, oh yes, they man. do. It's, it's not like a. It, it was the opposite of like Saturday at Rock and Pod, where you wake up and next thing you know it's six o'clock and you got to go see Kiss Meets Fen with a park. Exactly, but I'm saying that all it would have taken is for the security to be in the damn place. Then we could we could have had a great meal. We could have party. Who cares when the yeah. plane's leaving? We're getting drunk at an airport. Oh, one bonus thing: they finally yeah. get the plane ready to load. Their yeah. their their ticket scanner wasn't working. So no no shit. Uh, they loaded it fairly. You know what? They managed to get through it okay. But uh, they they had you go up, and they they had a, a woman look at your thing, and she would read a number to another woman who had a clipboard and would check it off, and then you would go in like that. And then I sit next to this old couple, and of course, this old guy, he fucking sees that the plane's cracked in half and going to fall apart in the sky and points it out to the stewardess. So that's on the top of my fucking head. I already have like this thing like, you know, planes crash typically on takeoff or landing, right? So every time you're getting ready to take off, I'm like, this will be it if it's going to happen. And same with landing. And like, you know, so I'm like, no, I got this extra thing. I'm like, oh, there's a fucking crack in the hull. We're just going to snap in half. Thanks a lot. That guy pointed it out. Yeah, he's like, he's like, should I say something? I'm like, I have no idea what they're talking about. Oh, and then uh, he, he gets a stewardess. He's like, is that is that supposed to look like that? Is that always like that? Oh. Is that normal? And it's, it's basically like- just like you know, a little seam is kind of pulled apart in the. Uh, of course, you know the the the. The paneling inside the plane isn't what fucking holds the plane together. I'm not an idiot, but I'm still fucking kind of like I don't know superstitious <laughs> you know like i don't well, no, need no. that it's it's like you basically had william shatner from like the twilight yeah. zone with with you like pointing out the thing on the wing and get, getting everybody riled up i had uh, i i had that real quick on on that too when we were coming in the only thing that was kind of uh, uh scary was we're, we're about to land and all of a sudden we felt us go back up and the and the captain gets on the, the mic and he's just like hey uh sorry about that guys i like i missed the <laughs> like we're, we're gonna or something like that we're, like, we're gonna take another t- try at that and we went to this huge circle and i'm like thinking like oh what the fuck is this like a rookie like this guy couldn't even land the first time now we're gonna land and i'm like and i'm thinking that i have in my travel case all these jerk socks what if they find in the wreckage like all this kind of stuff mm. like embarrassing stuff left over like tracing it back to me i'm like this is how this is how i'm gonna end <laughs> But uh, you do have that thought in your mind. Like, is this yeah. going to go down? Yeah, this is, uh, this is going to be the, the, how it goes. <laughs> That's what I mean. Why did the pilot even admit that? I mean, just like, is anybody really going to know? I wouldn't have it's known. Like, I would yeah. just, you know, just, just go about your business. Don't tell me you're a fuck up. Oh, man. It's funny you mentioned that William Shatner thing because we were right in the wing and the, those two fell asleep. <laughs> and I looked out the window and it, all you saw was the wing, but it was black and then a flashing red light. And I really wanted to like film some of it so I could make like a dumb oh video God. where I could just kind of splice in like my face or something. But I don't know. Yeah. And then put on like a gorilla outfit and dance on the wing. Oh, yeah. yeah. That would, that might need to get Bud Berge to help me with that level of uh, video editing. Mm. But uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You got connections. Hook yeah. it up. <laughs> make the story real. I would add. It would be funny if that guy wakes up and I'm leaned over him in his wife's lap trying to film the wing. You know, In hindsight, I should have gone for it. Yes. All Always right. go with your instinct. But uh, enough about the the, yeah, the 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 hard times of Baco. So yes, I I, I have the hard times of I didn't have any travel issues, but I did want to because we are going into we are actually do, this is actually the intro for <laughs> for, <laughs> for a Rod Kill interview, right? Yeah, that's what we want to do. We get a little uh, we get off on some personal issues, but, uh, but yeah, but the, okay. the Ron Q live we did the, we did the live podcast. It was a half hour show um, live there at the at the expo. They had a room set up for for live. Uh, episodes. I'm not saying that very well. So they had a room set up at the expo, basically for for live podcasts. Ours was at I think 3:30 with Ron Keel as a guest. So the three yes. of us are, are basically you know in front of this huge crowd. <laughs> no, actually, well, I was very I was very was, pleased with the attendance. Yeah, I mean it had, it seated maybe 30. Yeah, something like to that. To say yeah. and uh, 50, whatever. But I, I didn't see a people were sta- it was standing room only. Yeah. Well, or at I least, think I think Toomey was just standing because he didn't want to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that, that leads to standing room only. There's a couple seats you. open. 
it was a hundred percent capacity plus yeah. fire code issues. Yeah. 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 We got shut down for, for too many people. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But, uh, but can I give you a little bit of uh, why well, I didn't have any travel things, but I just want to give you a little bit of behind the scenes to the people. Cause you know, this, this shows, uh, this, this is the interview show, but this show is also about us. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's all about us, man. Exactly. As, okay. it, you, as people so, will soon find out when they hear Ron. So yeah, but before we go into the interview with Ron Kuhn, this is all going to tie tie into this at the end of this little uh, little bit. But uh, I've been told jokes here and there that this whole Elsie uh, is just a character and he's just uh, playing a role and it's just a bit and it's a morning zoo stuff. And I got to tell you, people, I think that I am more real on this show with telling telling people things than I am a lot in real life situations. Cool. Mm-hmm. And and with that said, I got to tell you. Uh, let me tell you a little bit behind the scenes, and that is that th- uh, this this expo, more than other expos, uh, which which maybe I should have had a little bit more anxiety for, I was just full of anxiety for whatever it was. I had what I'm going to call the podcaster yips coming into this mm, and everything, nice. and especially for this interview, and and you'll hear it with it when I make some key points here, um, and that is you know. Uh, 17, 19, we're asking ridiculous questions. We're asking people like, you know, we're offering jerk socks and, and saying silly things jerk to, sock. yeah, jerk sock, just, just offer it right in the beginning, <laughs> like offering a mint in the, in the beginning of an interview where, where, and I had questions for all the different guests, including Ron Keel, that I, I had, again, I'm just going to call it the podcaster yips where I had self-doubt, all this stuff like that. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to go with what's comfortable and ask some, and they're, the interviews are all fine. Mm-hmm. And everything like that. And you'll hear me ask questions of Ron Keel that are fine. But I had things that I just I just lost all of a sudden I had anxiety about these these questions suck. And I just took a back seat. And was I not kind of full of anxiety leading up to that interview? Yes. You were. You actually tipped it off. Remember you told me that you were getting a little nervous about it a couple hours ahead of time. And I, my advice to you, maybe you actually should have taken my horrible advice, which was have a couple drinks. Um, but it wouldn't have helped. Yeah, I, yeah, we're all we all approach things differently. But yeah, no, I, I, I kid, of course. But um, that probably helped. It planted a seed in the back of my mind, you know. But I, I, I was like, oh, whatever, we got a time. And I just thought, don't worry about it. He's you just be cool. <laughs> I know, I know. But 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 my whole thing about that is that uh, is two things. One is to say that 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 I knew going to the wrong queue that even if I had this and I had my questions that you had built this great rapport with him over, over the years and everything, obviously with all your interviews and you had this great game ready to go and everything. (laughs) Half the show was going to be the game we figured. So the the, the initial plan was to kind of let you take the lead on the first half. Yeah, but uh, so I have so I have all all these right, but that that did not happen. And the first half was basically an intro that that I had basically uh, uh, like a starter at an Olympic event. I had like premature or, or false start. <laughs> even even it, it, yeah. I was just I just want to get this over with Pre-com. the entire time. The entire time, if you could tell from the tenor of my uh, uh, tone of my voice or anything like that, I have a clicking. Uh, uh, you know, a, a countdown, just like I, I want this to be over, and, and everything like that. So the the point being is is this is that uh, first I'm I am grateful to have such a uh, great co-host that can take the reins in these situations Aww. and had planning and things like that. And the second it would it could have been a lot worse if it wasn't Ron Keel. You know what I mean? Uh, like if that would have been the Billy Sheen interview. I would have maybe I would have thought about it ahead of time or when you talked to me. But if I would have had nothing prepared like I did with Ron, I don't know that I would have been able to pull it off with somebody else. But right, right, and and and, and you'll listen to the other. If you've heard the other interviews, you'll see the interviews are all fine and everything like that. Yeah. But 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 during that, I had I, I had there was tons of things written down that I just did not do. So this is more of a public service announcement to people in general. Listen, I listen to podcasts to escape, to listen, to have fun all that kind of thing. But we're all human. And sometimes when we have those voices in your heads, you know what? Get the fuck over yourself. And that's yeah. exactly like I look back on that. And there's, there's no reason to listen to that bullshit. You have to go with what makes you guys, everybody unique and everything. And, and if, if, if it's a way of asking questions, ask those goddamn questions. What's the worst thing that can happen? That's yeah. all. That's my little, uh, that's my little, uh, you know, that's Tony probably the Robbins. best takeaway that way there, and is to remind yourself that how bad could it really go? And it could be, by the way, really bad. But who cares? It's just a fucking podcast. <laughs> and, and that's the, the whole thing. I probably made the right decision because also asking questions if they're a little off kilter also comes the way you ask them and the confidence, and that was not there. So that the, the sure the, at that yeah time. yeah and, you and, you and loosened up me, though you, you started chiming in you know once you got yeah going. yeah yeah. But even Toomey noticed, he's like, oh, that's great. He just said, 
<laughs> the whole show over to Baco. Yeah. Like, well, he didn't yeah, know it, the backstory though. He just thought nope. it was like you know, like well, here's your chance, and you don't even do anything. But uh, nope, because yeah, you've never met Ron or talked to him in the past. This is the the opening there, but uh, and well, that and that leads into this the interview before we, we were to move into that is the fact that uh, and this is one of the questions I asked too is that I respect uh, even though I've come into Ron Keel later in his career and everything. He is a person that is example that doesn't listen to those voices. He has that confidence to go out mm-hmm. by himself and doing doing acoustic shows and things like that. And he has had a career that's, you know, just like everybody's life. It's it's up, it's down, things like things like that. And and I respect that. And that's the kind of person that uh, also is an inspiration. Yeah, but that's always one of the biggest things uh, that I, I like. As an artist, I mean, he's not like top ten on my list. I, I mean, I like Keel, and, and I have all pretty much everything Ron's done over his career. I have a you know on some kind of a format. So I am a I'm a I'm a fan. That part's real, but I th- I'm really more fascinated at the idea that this far into his career, he's found ways to kind of just keep it as far as making a living. There's a lot of stories like that, and to me, that's that's more impressive than. Well, it's definitely more impressive than Vince Neil, who's basically coasted his entire fucking life. Well, that's my point. Is like, for example, you know, just saying I'm going to now do the Southern rock thing. That takes that takes a big confidence. That takes not listening to somebody saying that's not going to work out for you. Right. Is my point. Not listening to those voices and saying, fuck it. I'm goddamn Ron Keel. And this is what I'm going to do. Well, and that's what people need to do in general. I shared an analogy, a story with you yesterday when we were talking a little bit about today uh, that I'll share with the listener with the hope that maybe it could actually help somebody. Uh, it, it's not that big a deal, but um, very early on when I when I first moved to the Twin Cities, I started this band called Bender. And my sister came up and she had a video camera and she videotaped one of our practices. And I watched it. And you can put it in fast forward and yeah, you, you can see my finger, but that's me at fast forward. And at my... F- faces down the entire time except for when I lean into the microphone now it was just practice but I looked at that and I'm like that's what I fucking look like and right. it it, it it's, there's a certain self-consciousness that, that you have to overcome anytime you get in front of uh, an audience like that or something like that I think that was part of your deal too is that now we're unlike the last live show we did there was a decent amount of people that sitting right in front of us um, I, you know, when I was, when the band was active, I would still get just a little bit of butterflies and stuff like that. But I, that one moment that videotape said, get over it. Like what you're saying, right? Nobody right. wants to see that. Nope. So move, look like an idiot, do whatever. But people, you're going to get better as you do that anyway. But it just, it, it clicked to me. So just, you know, yeah. I don't know how, uh, what, there's all sorts of situations, whether it's speaking in front of a class, things of that nature. Anybody that's listening to this that's got to stand in front of a group, you know what I mean? Just just realize they don't want to see somebody who looks like they don't know what the fuck they're doing. So, <laughs> you mean, and that's, you mean like watching, that's far, you mean, like, like holding back and dialing it in is worse than laying it all out there. It's worse than tripping and falling. You know what I mean? That, to me, I, yeah. I just... Uh, and, I would and, rather and see some. I'd rather see. A, uh, you know how much I love seeing somebody fall off stage. Uh, sure. I, I'd rather see that than to see them stare at their shoes. Yeah, and what I always <laughs> say is, listen, if Ricky Rackman can do it, anybody can. What do you think? Oh, <laughs> I can't believe how much grief that guy got for fucking learning bass in five days. <laughs> All jokes. But, I know. But yeah, yeah, no. So it, so oh, by the, the way, uh, I don't think we covered it because uh, I don't know that I even caught it at the time. Um, you almost got Craig Gass to do a spit take. Uh, did you catch that? Uh, I think no. it was a great joke. Uh, uh, Craig was like, "We do this show. You know, some of those artists that like that when you listen to them now, you realize you're not that good, and you're like, you, and you said, well, like a lot of them are here today." <laughs> I said, "All I said, all of them. Yeah, Everybody some, here. Yeah. Something like that. It was you know, it was the kind of noisy, so you don't quite get the. But uh, he had a a real hearty barrel laugh, and it, it it made me laugh in the car listening to it yesterday. So well done. Oh, that's cool. Nice, nice, yeah. But but in general, that's that's the whole thing. Everybody, listen, we got deep, a little deep here. But the whole point is, it's just just it doesn't matter if it's stage fright or anything like that. Just if you're going in there, you're talking to that girl, you're talking to to whatever it is. Just fuck those voices and just be you. That's it. You think that's enough yapping about this? Should we get to the Ron Keel live Goddamn podcast right. recorded live in Nashville, Tennessee, at Rock and Pod 2021 or? 2020 if it's the Olympics.
Get a clean intro at least. All right, okay. nice clean intro. Are we good? All right, LC. You want to do it, LC? Let's do it. Right. Yes. Cobras and Fire. <laughs> Welcome to Cobras and Fire. I'm your host, LC, and I'm joined as always with Baco and our very special guest, Ron Keel. How are you, sir? I am fantastic. Live the rock. Love you guys, Baco, LC. Great to be back on the show. I think it's my fifth or sixth time. Number six. To you guys. This will be number six. Who's, yes. But who's who's counting? Uh, I, I am. Uh. <laughs> yes. And uh, I have. Uh, uh, you've done most of the talking, well, all the talking with Ron uh, previously. So I'm going to stand Correct. back for most of this and everything. But I just want to say, to begin with, that uh, who enjoyed Ron's set last night at the Mercy Lounge? Oh. Yes? Yeah. Very on. good. Thank you. I mean, uh, I just want to give you a compliment real quick is that it's, uh, I think it's a tough thing to being, uh, coming out with an acoustic guitar right after a, a full band, stuff like that. And just keep in with maybe a little, a little uh, less rocking tunes and just keeping the crowd going. And you, you did it. I appreciate that, and yeah, I enjoyed the set. I think more than any of anybody in the audience, I love that challenge, that opportunity to get out there with just my voice, my songs, my guitar, my stories, and uh, entertain people and take them on a journey through my entire life and my career and share my music with them. Uh, of course, it's always great when you've got the full band behind you and you've got the bells and the whistles and the smoke and the effects and the lights and all that stuff, but uh, there's nothing like just being out there in, in your raw element, the way the songs were written and created and sharing those, that special moment with those people and, and knowing after about the first verse or chorus of the first song, you, you're, they're singing along and you're winning mm. them over. It's a really big challenge and I enjoy that opportunity. I do it uh, often. I've been doing it since uh, 2006 when I released the Alone at Last uh, acoustic album. The first time I did it, I was opening for Y&T at a sold-out theater in Las Vegas, and I just released the solo acoustic album, and I thought, well, I should get out and do some solo acoustic shows, right? And I called up Dave Minichetti from Y&T, and he was kind enough to put me on the bill as the opening act, and I walk out there, man, and I tell you, that first time when you walk out with an acoustic guitar by yourself, uh, it's, it's very much like singing the national anthem at the Super Bowl uh, naked. Yeah. Right. Uh, now after... Uh, what, 16 years of doing it, it's kind of like, it's much more comfortable. It's like singing the national anthem at the Super Bowl in a Speedo. All right. All right, yeah. In a hot tub. In a hot tub. Yeah. A hot tub! Well, I've... Jump I, back! I, like I said, you've been, on, you've been on the show so much. Uh, I've had an opportunity to ask you almost anything I'd ever want to, so I decided to dig a little deep this time and ask you questions I don't think you've ever been asked. So these are two things that that I think everybody is dying to hear. What is it like working with Gene Simmons and Ingve Malmsteen? <laughs> oh my God, Jason, you know, and we've had this discussion before. When you're, you're a you know, I'm not actually asking. You know, you're, a, you're a podcaster, you're interviewing somebody, and you ask them, what was it like to work with Gene Simmons? Uh, you're not a, you don't want me to answer that question, Jason? Or oh, yeah, oh I, you can't, you do whatever. I, well, I am just messing with you, yes. he knows, you yeah. know, the, the, the the thing to, to creating a great interview is asking those detailed questions. Give me one good Gene Simmons story or give me one, one of those moments uh, in time because you can't put that entire experience into a 30-minute a podcast. But Gene taught me so much about songs, about uh, making great records. He's still the little demon on my shoulder every session that I do. Uh, how to stack guitars. Little demon. And uh, how, to, how to deliver. Do it again, Ron. You can do it better. Yeah. No. No. He was. He, he was. He was the opposite. He would. I would do something that would sucked. And Gene Simmons. That's great. We're going to keep enough. that yep. next. You know, that's my biggest regret of those Simmons sessions is that he thought what I had was 
you know, it's got the attitude and the aggression and the energy of that wild, young, crazy rock and roller. I think I could have sung it better mm -hmm. at the time. And Gene said, no, we're keeping that. That's got the attitude. That's why I've gone back and re-recorded some of those songs like Tears of Fire and Rachel Rock on my album Fight Like a Band because I wanted to sing those songs again and do it right. And uh, to what it's going to say on Blabbermouth tomorrow is that uh, Ron Keel says Gene Simmons mailed it in. Uh, yeah, are, are you guys are obviously delivering a transcript of this interview to Blabbermouth yeah. in the morning, right? <laughs> they don't. They 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 pick and choose what they want. Well, we have nothing they, to do. They love with it. to pick on me, man. Oh well, they, everybody from that whole thing, just anybody. They yeah. they always pick the best photos of Vince Neil for all of his uh, little yes. headlines. So. Yeah. Well, you know, you you Let's talk about Vince. Yeah, I'm well, kidding. I'm yeah. just kidding. Okay. <laughs> sounds great. Sounds and looks great. Uh, Absolutely. The sound man looks really good. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, Nashville is one of your many homes. Uh, what's it like being back? It's great to be back in Nashville. It's always, I had to come into town a couple of days early because it's always the welcome back to Nashville party with uh, so many good friends that I didn't even have time to make the rounds and see everybody and, and uh, socialize with so many good friends. But the day is not over yet. But some great memories here. I always drive down uh, 17th Avenue South, uh, Music Row, where I rented a, an apartment, or it was, a, it was a, a house. I rented a room in this house uh, for 300 bucks a month when I was uh, 18 years old, 17, 18 years old. And every time I come back to town, I, I stop in front of that house and, and take a picture to remember uh, walking the streets of Music Row. And Willie Nelson used to jog by the front of the house every morning and it just felt that wow. that energy of, of music that uh, is nashville and it certainly gave me uh, so many great memories and gave me my start in the business with my first band steeler so uh it's always great coming home don't you have in your book like a, a hack on how to get a free pizza i do well you, it, i don't think it's gonna work nowadays but man it fed us <laughs> back in the day that's how we that's how we survived we would pull the pizza scam and <laughs> just call, you just find a, a pizza joint in the phone book and you call them up and say, hey, last night, you know, I came in right before you closed and I, I got a, a pizza and I brought it home to my family and it wasn't quite cooked. It's like you shut your ovens off early and the pizza was raw. And <laughs> my, kids, I mean, my kids couldn't eat last night and it was like really terrible, man. I'm wondering what you can do. Oh, we're very sorry, sir. Why don't you come in and grab a couple of free pizzas on us and we'll give you some salads and some Coca-Colas to go along with that. And we go in and we get free pizzas. That's how we ate. It was the pizza scam. It worked every time back in the day. Yeah, it'd be a little harder now because they have everything yeah, like dialed in. But, uh... nothing, nothing is, it's not like the 70s anymore, that's for sure, the, the early 80s. But uh, the pizza scam was how we survived. And we started doing it with Chinese food or any, any other <laughs> restaurant. And last night I came in and I got some food and it was it was not good. It was terrible. It was like uncooked. It was like, oh, come on, man. And they, oh, we're very sorry. Come on in and, and get a free meal on us. And we'd go in and eat for free. Was, right on. That's that literally, it was either that or uh, get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and split it four ways. Each guy in the band, drummer, bass player, lead singer, guitar player, we'd eat literally a quarter of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich each day. These stories aren't anything new to anybody who's... Uh, ramen? A Aerosmith, ramen. Hmm. I mean, yeah, for a quarter, you could feed the whole band. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was a tough time, and people always look... Those were the good old days. That was the 80s, man. It was awesome. And I go, man, it sucked, dude. It sucked. <laughs> I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was just a stupid young kid learn, trying to learn my craft, trying to learn how to sing and play. I was in an abusive relationship. I was starving. I was broke. These days are much better. Those days mm. enabled me to get to where I am now. Uh, all the stuff that I went through and all the stuff I experienced back in the 80s was great. There was some really good music. There were some major magic songs uh, on some of those records, but uh, I don't look back on that as, oh, those were the good old days or those were the best times of my life. They were not. These are the best times of my life. Today is the best day of my life until tomorrow. You know, that's very Gene Simmons-like. It is. But, but it is inspirational. Like, uh, mm -hmm. for somebody that, that actually became familiar with your music through... <laughs> through uh, Baco's uh, continuing uh, interviews on our show. Um, I mean, Metal Cowboy and Fight Like a Band. I mean, these are great albums, and, and uh, you usually don't see that this far, in, you know, at this point in somebody's career. So it's just, it's inspirational. And do you think Thank this you. is kind of the zone 
where you want it to be, or? Well, like the Southern Rock thing, that kind of seems to right, fit you the I best. Mean. To me, it's, let me shut the ringer off. Uh, <laughs> to me, Thought it's always a, a matter of creating new music. I think that's, uh, the fans are always asking for it, by the way. Fans are always, when are you coming out with something new? Give me a new Keel record. And they demanded, literally demanded a new Keel album. Hmm. Uh, we got back together in uh, 2009 for the 25th anniversary reunion. Did, in my opinion, the best Keel album ever, Streets of Rock and Roll, which to me is absolutely the pinnacle of our achievement as songwriters, singers, musicians. And nobody bought it. Uh, and they're, they're going to do that to me every day. You can hammer. I picked up, up a copy. Okay. Well, Good. yeah. Well, somebody bought it. I mean, somebody bought. It, but it, 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 they want new music, and but it's not. It's not about fan demand. It's about our desire to continue mm -hmm. to create. We have to write, record, and release stuff. That's why we got in this business in the first place. When we were just kids, we wanted to create something and share it with people. It's just that simple, and. Whether people buy it or not is out of my control. The biggest selling album of all time sold 66 million copies, Michael Jackson's Thriller. That means billions of people didn't buy it. I sold three million records. That means billions of people don't like what I do or don't want to hear it. <laughs> I'm cool with that, man. I, I, it's my job to create and put it out there and share it with you. And you guys are, have been huge supporters of mine. I know that Fight Like a Band and South by South Dakota were big on your, your recommendations, mm -hmm. the reviews that you've given me and the, the, the help and support that you've given me on your podcast has been huge because you, you, you listen to them and you enjoy them. Uh, I can't, the people who don't listen or don't enjoy it, that, they're, they're not my people, you're my people. So I just do what I do to the best of my ability. As long as we can break even or make a little money on it, then we got to keep doing it. And you just released Streets of Rock and Roll. You had a, a small run of, of it pressed on vinyl. I can vouch for it. It sounds amazing. If anybody here is a vinyl collector, I know it's for sale over at Ron Keel's booth. I think we're sold uh, out, man. I think we sold out <laughs> oh, okay. at 11 o'clock this morning. I think we have maybe one copy left. Right. I haven't been back to the table in a while, but that vinyl went, went quickly. And uh, we're really proud to, to have that. Because I love the vinyl records, man. Back in the day, the artwork, the uh, the experience of opening up a vinyl record, right putting it on a turntable, was uh, it was big for us when we were younger. And I didn't realize how much I missed it until I got the new Streets of Rock and Roll vinyl album. Because there's stuff you look at the cover, and there's stuff I never saw. And I, I helped design the the damn thing. <laughs> and I'm looking at the detail and the cover and the photos and the lyrics and all that stuff that you miss when you, you have a CD or a download and all that. So I'm really proud of, of the recent vinyl releases and hope we, we can keep doing that. As long as we can break even or make a little money, we're hmm. going to keep doing it. Right on. Um, LC, didn't you have some, uh, you had some questions about his pants you wore last night, yes? Oh, yes, I did. Yeah. Yes. I, I was, uh, well, these, these are not well, the Welcome same, to Cobras and Fire, people. Pants. These are the kind of things we get into. These are not the same pants. Okay. I have fresh pants today. Yeah. All right. More than one pair of rock and roll pants. It's good stuff, man. Very fashionable. Well done. Thank you for <laughs> what about last night, though? You, you yes. was kind of was a mix of leather. What was your question? Uh, I don't remember. But the whole thing is, is that uh, I'm a, I'm a segue from that. It was, I think was they were it, black. You were all in. They were black. They were all torn yeah. up. Like, but that's a, a, you're a pure oh, yeah. metal cowboy, and and in tribute to you, we've actually tattooed ourselves. Oh yeah, we wanted to get a picture at the end. Yeah, uh, I don't know if we can see. Oh, but uh, I am uh, the aluminum cowboy. Oh, we got to do this. And I'm I'm tinfoil ranchero. Can say, you gentlemen, uh, would you mind taking a picture for me? Yes. Photo opportunity in the middle. Who knew? The aluminum. Aluminum cowpoke. Cowpoke. And I am uh, uh, tinfoil ranchero. Uh, can you, can you, yes. uh, mine's like a little goofy. This is, Do I have it this is right? cool. This is money in the bank right here. <laughs> and you can read yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. Right, this you. is why I got into the business in the first place for yes. moments like that. Always <laughs> use the gimmick. Oh, right. man, we should use fatter markers. Yes, that's true. It's all right. It's last minute. Yeah, no, it's all good. Uh, yeah, the, by, by the way, you also commented a little bit, and I thought it was a good point that you made about it's difficult to come out and just be like an acoustic performer between that kind of set that uh, it really puts a, a spotlight on, on what you're doing. Uh, any, any extra pressure there, or are you just like, fuck it, I'm Ron Keel? Do you guys all <laughs> eat a dick? No, it's huge pressure, and I feel it and see it, and the best times are when the audience doesn't expect it because I did, I've done, I've toured with Y&T and Quiet Riot and Jackal and other bands where they put my name on the ticket and on the marquee 
and people are coming, they see Ron Keel on the marquee, they don't know what the hell they're getting. They walk in and there's 5,000 people in front of me and I walk out with the guitar and you see the look in there. Yeah. yeah. And they're what the hell is this? And I started into the first song and then halfway through the first song, they're, they're smiling, mm -hmm. they're nodding their head, they're stomping their feet, they're singing along. And that process of winning them over alone with your, just your guitar, your songs, your stories, your, your voice is a huge reward for me. Uh, of course, I'd always rather be with the band, but there's a certain challenge that's involved in these solo acoustic gigs that uh, makes me feel like, like last night, you guys were there. Um, mm -hmm. it, I'd rather have the full band behind me. It's, it's a lot easier, man, you know, because I've got the, the thunderous drums behind me and I can hide behind all the smoke and mirrors and bells and whistles and, and loud guitars. But there's something to be said for that moment when it's just you, you know, you, it, it's, it's like survival in the wilderness. It's, you know, you, you're eating bugs and you're sleeping in dirt. It's, it, it's just really natural and really real. Um, I used to do that back in the day, even when I was on tour with Keel. And this, the, the acoustic... You were in Keel? Uh, <laughs> the acoustic thing goes way deeper than that because I did this, we, we were on tour, we'd come off the road, and back then you'd, you'd make a record, you'd tour for seven months, then you'd be home for six months. And there's nothing to do, there's you know, no, no way to get out and perform, or you know, we didn't have jam nights, or you know, you're not doing any one-off shows. And for some reason, I would uh, grow a beard, walk, take my acoustic guitar into a bar down the road somewhere, anywhere in Southern California, and I'd walk in, and I would make up a fake name. And that's how Ronnie Lee came Let's about. do this, too, right? That was, that was your uh, hotel name, right? Yes, that yeah, okay. was my hotel name. Okay. I, I'm Ronnie. Uh, I just came into town from Nashville, and I'd like to sing and play. Can I play for tips? And I'd go on the... Not even a stage, just sit there on a bar stool and sing and play. And nobody knew that I was Ron Keel. Mm -hmm. And people would even come up to me and go, hey man, you look like Ron Keel. And I go, who's that? <laughs> I would sing the Eagles or Bob Seger or Tom Petty and I would sit there and play and I'd sit with a little tip jar in front of me. Not because I needed the money, just because I needed to get back to my roots where I came from and stay grounded. And it kept me grounded it kept me real to be able to you know eight ball quarter pocket now you know yeah and, and i'm trying to you know, just be that same guy that i grew up that kid that just wanted to play and sing for anybody that would listen or if you didn't want to listen i'm going to make you listen and it was a, a very grounding experience for me and i did that we came off tour with bon jovi in 87 after we played madison square garden sold out three nights in a row I went to a little bar down the road. Hey man, can I play? I'll play for free, I'll play for tips. Just to stay grounded, just to make sure that I didn't lose that inner core of who I really was and what made me fall in love with playing music in the first place. So every time I do that solo acoustic gig, like I did last night or like I'm gonna do uh, the rest of my life, uh, it, it keeps me real and um, it, it is a challenge, uh, especially uh, for an audience, for a lot of audiences that don't know a lot of the songs that I do. I did uh, South Carolina tour last week. I did four shows in South Carolina. Several were sold out. Uh, the promotion was great. It was four nights in a row, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, at all these venues and uh, throughout South Carolina. And a lot of people I'm playing for, man, they had never heard any of the songs that I'm doing. Um, they might they know because the night, a mm -hmm. lot of people know Tears of Fire, but you're up there for 90 minutes, you know, doing your own solo acoustic gig by yourself. Uh, the stories behind the songs are, uh, are, are as important as the songs are, how, how they were written and why the song is so important to me and how 40 years ago I wrote this song called Serenade on the Steeler album, how Tears of Fire was a, a pivotal moment for us in 86 when it was a hit song on the radio when they played Michael Jackson, Bruce Springsteen, 
Madonna and Keel. I was like, <laughs> blown away by, by that experience, listening to the radio and hearing you know, the, the icons, the heroes, the, the, the number one hit pop artists, and then all of a sudden your song is right there in the mix with theirs. Um, you can't put those moments into, that, that, that's why I tell the stories behind the songs during the gig. Last night, obviously, we were pressed for time. I didn't tell the entire Dobie Gray story about Drift Away, but that's another pivotal moment for me, man. You've heard it before. If you've seen the solo acoustic show, I do Drift Away from Dobie Gray uh, because I sang the song to him on a celebrity bus doing a charity event when nobody wanted to hand me that guitar. I was the 23-year-old, long-haired, hungover rock star guy. All these country folk on this bus didn't want to hand me the guitar. But they had to, out of courtesy. They just, well, we've got to. It's, it's the right thing to do. And they handed me the guitar. And I look at Dobie Gray sitting across the aisle from me on the bus, and I sang Drift Away. I don't even know why. I mean, I'm glad I knew the song. <laughs> by God, to see that transformation in people from the moment when, oh, shit, don't hand him the guitar. Please don't, please don't let him sing. <laughs> to, the metal guy. Give me the beat, boys. Free my soul. I got the whole bus singing along with me. It was one of the transformational moments I will never forget. And I love sharing those with people. I know a lot of folks have seen the solo acoustic show and heard these same stories. But, but I, can't, I can't make up new stories about that. Mm. And we got some folks that came last week from Pennsylvania, and they were at every show in South Carolina, and they hear the same story about Dobie Gray. And I sang this song for Dobie Gray. Mix it up, man. I can't mix it. <laughs> man, I, I only know 750 songs. <laughs> That's what I'm getting and, I, and there's only 750 stories, so you're going to hear a couple of them <laughs> twice in the course of a year or a tour or whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy that challenge of doing the solo acoustic gigs. I love the band. The reason... I still do the full band thing. And the Ron Keel Band is a big show. It's a six-piece band with a three-man crew and a big production. We've got a train that's built into the drum riser that blows smoke. We've got confetti and we got cannons. we got all kinds of shit. Mm, it's cool. It's a big show. Uh, I don't know how to scale it down. I'm not going to fire my keyboard player and track the keyboards on a computer. Mm. I'm not going to fire my road crew and do it myself. I'm not going to get rid of the truck or the RV or any of that stuff. I mean... Uh, it's a big show. It's expensive, and it's a big operation, but it keeps me young, keeps me strong, keeps me motivated. It puts me in a position where I am still the leader of the band, and I get all my guys from point A to point B, and I get them paid. And so, uh, it's, it's, of course, the solo acoustic gig is easier. You get on a plane with your guitar, and you go to the next town. Uh, I've never looked for the easy way out. Uh, if it's easy, it ain't worth it. That's why I still do both. And the reason I do the solo acoustic gig, if they could have had Ron Keel Ben here last night at Mercy Lounge, my guys would have been here. We would have kicked your ass. But they couldn't yeah. afford it. <laughs> it's just the bottom line. It's expensive. Uh, if they can't afford the band, I'll, I'll get on the plane with my guitar and I'll right. go do an event like this. Now, you know I've, uh, I've always... And your uh, microphone sounds really good, by the way. Is it because you're so close to it? Yeah, well, like uh, yeah. I, I, uh, you, I'm, I'm a professional. Oh, well, 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 I should, I should move in. We should start this over. Can we yeah. rewind and start over? <laughs> and I'll move in closer to the microphone I, so I sound just like Jason Pocket. I, you know, a lot of people aspire for that, uh, but yes. uh, I, I, I think you're loud enough, though. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, can you hear me? Are you getting this in the rear? Yeah. <laughs> can you rephrase that? <laughs> Okay. Oh it was boy. There I had to take it. We, uh, Ron, we have a little bit of a surprise for you. We're going to take a bit of a left turn now. Yes, oh, we no, are. Left turn. I love left turns. Oh, All man. right. So for uh, people who have listened to Hello. this, I did a summer sidecast this year called "Suns Out, Mics Out," and I just basically, oh, I would be actually do my impersonation of Ron Keel. I'd pack up my acoustic guitar and go visit some of my local buddies in the Twin Cities in Minnesota, where I'm from. And we would just share stories, talk about summertime memories, and then at the end we'd whip out a song. But right before that we would play a little game that I like to call Who Said It? Ted Nugent or. Now, I'm going to just explain it for the listeners and anybody that doesn't know the rule. So I, I basically have a quote, and they're both going to play. My co-host, co oh, LC, yes, has, has not had an opportunity yet. And then I'll even let, let the, the people in the audience, you, you can well, I show a hand. Tell me and what do we win if we win? Uh, cold Light. Oh. <laughs> half a course, half a light. Yeah, all right. Uh, so, yeah, I'll give you two choices. Well, I can just peek at the answers. He's got this sheet. Well, I actually have to turn now. I've already kind of, uh, I, have a, I have this all mapped out, man. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Left turn. 
<laughs> Here we go. Are you doing it? <laughs> All right. Yeah, good thing this thing's on a swivel. All right, so yeah, the, 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 pretty simple, right? I just give a, a quote, give you two choices, and then you tell me who said it. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, I need to keep score. All right. All right, so let the games begin. Are you guys ready? Yes. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. We're back at that night. All right. Nice callback. It's, uh, it's a hallmark of our show. All right. Who said the hot the tub. We're going to open up with a doozy here. I don't know. This one's probably going to get, uh, get you thinking here, Ron. Do we have to hit a buzzer or something? No, I think no. it's you just go. No, no. I'll, 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 yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. let you. You know, just everybody. No, there's no. There's no. Yeah. Yeah. You, everybody gets an opportunity. So you're either right or wrong. It doesn't matter. All right. Who said the following? I've been on the keto diet for a couple of months, and it's paying off. I can make the Ron Keel chili. Was that Ron Keel or Ted Nugent? <laughs> Who likes to go first, Elsie? Hmm. I usually I'm, have music kind of playing. I'm going to say that was Ron Keel because he injected his name into the conversation. Mm. <laughs> yes? Ron? I think it was Ted Nugent because Ted Nugent loves my chili. Is that your uh, official answer? Yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How about a show of hands? Who thinks it's Ron Keel? <laughs> Who thinks Ted Nugent uh, loves his chili? <laughs> <laughs> That's that was said live on Cobras and Fire, so you know it wasn't Ted Nugent. That was Ron right. Keel. Yes! One point for LC. All right. All right, the next quote I got. This is who said the following. Was this Ted Nugent or former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich? <laughs> Ted Nugent or Newt Gingrich? All right. The people I surround myself with are so inspir such an inspiration. They're so motivational. They're so dynamic and positive. They, you really can't stop that positive force when everything and everyone around you is so positive. Was that Ted Nugent or former Speaker of the House Ted Newt Gingrich? <sighs> I'm going to go with Newt because there wasn't any, any mention of killing animals in that, in that sentence. I think that was Ron Keel. <laughs> I don't, I'm sure you understand the rules. You, I know you don't <laughs> yes. like Ted Nugent or Newt Gingrich, so Newt Nugent, I think, said that. Newt Nugent. Newt Nugent. Uh, this isn't about who I that's like and don't like. That's a, very, that's a cheat. That's a cheat. Uh, go on, give us one. Come on. That has to be Newt Gingrich. Ted Nugent would uh, be a little more uh, colorful with his verbiage, I believe. I'm sorry, Ron, with that. Oh, I'm sorry. Audience, I guess I tipped my hand now. Oh! And, uh, that was Ted Nugent. It was Ted Damn Gingrich. It. So that, LC's got two in a row now. Now, for those listening, the record is eight. Don Jameson got eight of these, and he's actually contesting one of them. Um, so he thinks he got nine. Uh, nobody else has got higher than six. Uh, to I, me, back I, there, I, think I am six. higher than six right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but since the prize is just a half drink Coors Light, it's really not that big a deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Not a lot at stake. Okay, who's at the following? Ted Nugent or Dirty Harry? Fictional character, Dirty Harry. Nothing wrong with shooting as long as the right people get shot. Was that Ted Nugent or Dirty Harry? You go, on, go first. That was, that was Dirty Harry. Okay. What do you think, Elsie? No, that's, that's 100% Nuge. Okay. What about the audience? Was that Ted Nugent? Anybody think of Dirty Harry? That was Dirty Harry Callahan. Damn it! So that is one point for Ron Keel. Which movie? <laughs> Come on. You don't do your research? I did, but I cut it down just so I had only the quotes. Okay. I mean, I'm going to say it's from the Deadpool. All right. <laughs> Who's at the following? Ted Nugent or Kid Rock? When the law disarms good guys... Bad guys rejoice. This is basically a, a, a pick 'em, but uh, Ted Nugent or Kid Rock? Man, do you want this first? That was Ted Rock. Damn it! All right. Now I'm I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Nugent in this one too because it didn't have big ass or whatever like big ass honky tonk, big ass everything like that. For, so it's not Kid Rock. All right, what do you got, Nugent or Kid Rock? Come on. I'm going with Nugent on that one. You guys both get a point there. Oh, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting to ask the audience. Look, this aspect is very new to me. I'm sorry. Was it Jason Bakken or Elsie? Ron is buying a round of beer for everybody before my mistake. Yes. That may not be true. All right, who said the following? Can we get a bartender or a waitress in here real quick? Get a waitress in here. I'll buy a round for the house. What? Oh, my goodness. What a great guy. <laughs> Who said the following? Uh, Ted Nugent or feminist Gloria Steinem? Mm. Ted Nugent or Gloria Steinem? Only an abuser can make the decision to stop abusing. Was that Ted Nugent or Gloria <laughs> Steinem? 
I went a little heavy on that this. A little one, heavy folks. on that one. Um, man. It seems like a switcheroo. Mm. Mm. I just I'm want a- you to know that the only place you can get quality entertainment like this <laughs> is on the Cobras and Fire podcast, all right? <laughs> Cobrasandfire.com. Right on. Thank you, Ron. Thanks for the plug. <sighs> that was I'm- Gloria Steinem. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go Gloria. I'll, I'll go Gloria. Audience, who thinks Gloria! it's Gloria Steinem? What about Ted Nugent? That was the nudge. Damn it! I did a switcheroo, switcheroo. I figured that's why that was a. I knew that. I just wanted to kind of steer you in a different direction. Okay. (laughs) Who said the following? Was this Ted Nugent or former Green Bay Packer quarterback Brett Favre? (laughs) Wisconsin's a special place. Was that Ted Nugent or (laughs) Green Bay Packer Brett Favre? You actually. Stayed up all night working on yeah, shit. That's like a lot of research. <laughs> about, about 14 minutes. Okay. <laughs> that's all night. That's got to be uh, Brett Favre. Yeah. I'm going to go with Nuge on this one. Okay. Ooh, all right. Uh, I think it's the switch. Audience, Brett Favre. What about Ted Nugent? That was Brett Favre. So <sighs> Ron Keel ties it up. He's, it's, it's, we got a tight game here. Right. How many we got left? Just, uh, well, well yes. I think four. Okay. But uh, anyway. Good Lord. All right, who said the following? Was this Ted Nugent or Charles Manson? <laughs> Jason's a big Ted Nugent fan, I'm sure you can tell. You eat meat. He's quotable. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He is. You eat meat with your teeth and you kill things. Was that Ted Nugent or Charles Manson? <laughs> wow, I'm, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to keep. You know what? I'm going to do this just like I did my, my tests in, uh, in school. I'm just going to keep going nuge. Just uh, right down the line. One of, one of the times yeah. it's going to hit. Ted Manson. <laughs> You're going to keep doing nuge. It. No, it's nuge. All right, what about yeah. audience? Who thinks Charles Manson? Uh, one guy. All right, Sean Cullen. Uh, what about uh, nuge? Is everybody nuge? That was Charles Manson. Oh, damn. Still three to three. We've got a couple more here left. All right. Everyone include. Oh, I'm sorry. Who said the following? Uh, <laughs> Duck Dynasty patriarch, uh, Phil Robertson or Ted Nugent? <laughs> um, everyone, including Hillary Clinton, knows Hillary is an unsavory and unethical scoundrel and an obvious accomplished liar. Was that Ted Nugent live on stage or was that uh, Phil Robertson, uh, the inventor of the, the duck whistle? Again, I'm just going to keep it boring. I'm going, I'm going Nuge. Mm. It's Bill Clinton. <laughs> if there was a third he, choice, that, yeah. he'd never had sex with that woman. There you go. You know, I guarantee Bill definitely said this. <laughs> he's not one of the choices. What were my choices again? Uh, Are you going to ask the audience this time? Bill Robertson or Ted Nugent? Gloria Steinem. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going with LC with the Nuge. Man. All right, what do we think? Is this a Nuge? <laughs> what about Phil Robertson, Duck Dynasty guy? All right, that was Phil Robertson from Duck Dynasty. Oh All right, so you got two left here. These are your, your last two chances to either split the tie or end it in a tie. In either way, it doesn't matter. We're just trying to make people laugh. All right, who said... It's working. All right, that's good. <laughs> who said the following? Uh, Ted Nugent or rapper Easy e Was this Ted Nugent or Easy e <laughs> The war is coming to the streets of America, and if you're not practicing with your guns, then you will be helpless. Was that Easy e or Ted Nugent? Nuge. Quote again. Okay, yeah, all right. The war is coming to the streets of America, and if you're not practicing with your guns, then you will be helpless. Mm. No, I'm, I'm just going Nuge again. I'm going to keep it going this way. Well, it certainly wasn't Joe Biden that said that. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's doing this for my benefit. <laughs> I love you, man. I love you, too, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm going with the Nuge. All right. You guys both get a point. That was Ted Nugent. Knew it. All right. Here's the last one. This one's a ringer, though, okay? Who said the following? Ted Nugent or Cobras and Fire co-host Baco? <laughs> How fucked up is the NFL that they allow this in the workplace? Was this Ted Nugent or was this me on one of our podcasts? Well, I can't answer that. Allow what I know in the, the workplace? What do they allow in the workplace? That the quote is cut for a very specific reason. Well, I guess what it was it was a. Uh... No, I, I can't. I can't say more. Yeah. 
It was you, yes, Baco. Baco gets my vote on this one. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah audience. Because we all me. listen yeah, to the Cobras right. and Fire podcast at cobrasandfire.com. You both ended with a five. Well done. Thank you for being a good support. As always, Ron, you're always a kick-ass guy. You know what you haven't done is talk about like you know the you just did that little tour. There's video footage of, of some of that stuff. Where can they people okay. find that if they want to go? Ronkeel.com. It's my one-stop shop, and I know we've had we've had MySpace and Facebook and all that stuff and all these social media platforms, but I don't trust any of them uh, it, completely. But I know Ronkeel.com has been there since 1999, and it's going to be there for 20 more years to come. You can always find me, message me, the subscription platform uh, on Patreon, which is fantastic. It's a great uh, Patreon, it really uh, is. If I relate fan. to all of my people all over the world on patreon.com slash ronkeel. $6.99 is an all-access membership, and you really, you get to come in my house every day with me, and mm. I, I interact with people. I'm also a supporter of Cobras and Fire on Patreon as well. Uh, it's a no, great we got to start getting, doing some on ours like Ron. We're going to need to take some tips from this guy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's a great platform to uh, interact with your fans worldwide on a daily basis. It's kind of like what we did today. Here at mm -hmm. Rock and Pod, only we do it online, and uh, I try and post as much uh, exclusive content, video, audio, hundreds of unreleased songs and concerts and live performances, live streams, uh, interaction, voice lessons, songwriting workshops, everything that I can possibly do. Um, and I do spend a certain amount of money every month. I've got a all allotment that I will use to support Decibel Geek podcast, uh, Cobras and Fire, and uh, some artists and uh, other people that are creators that uh, on that Patreon platform. You can get there through my website, ronkeel.com. You can join up for $6.99. If you don't like it, you can bail anytime. But uh, I, I love that ability. I learned how to do that when my wife had cancer a few years back. I had to learn how to work from home before the pandemic even started. Uh, it was obviously that I'm going to be there with her throughout chemotherapy and radiation and multiple surgeries. How do I do this from home? We had a cabinet full of masks, and uh, we were sterilizing every light switch and every remote control and everything because she was going through cancer. Her, her immune system was uh, compromised at the time. So uh, we learned how to deal with pandemic-style situations years ago, and that gave me the ability to entertain people online. And now I'm taking people online. They're going to see highlights and hear highlights from this day when I get back to the hotel later on tonight. Um, actually, I'm at, already at the hotels. <laughs> but, uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to plug that. It's uh, ronkeel.com. Cobras and Fire. Uh, appreciate your support. I'm glad to be uh, winding up my sixth interview with you guys. I can't thank you enough for the support. I love what you guys do, and I enjoy it, and I appreciate our friendship. It's always a pleasure. Uh, did you have anything else? No. Thanks, Ron. That was great. A round of applause and, uh, for, oh, for Ronkeel. applause for Ron, and also, come on, give it up for the, game, the Nuge game over here. Yeah. Ron applause. I'm now retiring that, it. It's that's what guys named Ron go through at the age of 60. It's called Ron applause. Ron applause. Right. <laughs> Perfect. All right. All right. And, and thank, thank you, everybody, you. for sticking around. It was, Thanks, everybody. it was a blast. That was awesome, guys. Take me now, baby, here as I am. Pull me close, try and understand. Desire's hunger is the fire I breathe Love is a banquet for which we feed Come on now, try and understand The way I feel when I'm in your head Take my head, come undercover It can't hurt you now, can't hurt you now Can't hurt you now Welcome to Cobras and Fire. I'm your host, LC, and I am joined, as always, with the travel-weary Baco. How are you, sir? Oh, man, I just got done uh, with an 80-sheeter dump. Does that tell you anything? All right, then. Thank you very much. That, that It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.